I'm Kate Daniels. I believe we have a special gift this morning, meeting these incredible women, mom and daughter Mary Lou and Kayla Bellasone and Lori Hardy with Lutheran Community Services Northwest. If we wonder how we might save the world, well, at least address a critical aspect of that, then the story and insights you're about to hear are a key answer. So let's meet these women and learn. Well, good morning, Lori Hardy and Mary Lou and Kayla. It's so wonderful to have all of you here this morning for such a critically important topic. And we're going to start it off by hearing from our own Warm 106.9, Lori Hardy, to give us some important insight into foster care because of her other very important work that she does with Lutheran Community Services. So, Lori, please tell us. Thank you so much, Kate. This is really important work because we have a couple of crises, as we all know and we hear in the news every day. It's the homelessness and it's the opioid crisis. And because of that, more and more children are ending up in foster care. And the problem is we don't have enough homes. There are right now 10,000 foster kids in care in Washington state. And at least 2,000 are waiting to be adopted. So the need for homes is really important. And I think what I've really learned is people don't realize they could be foster parents. There's some sort of myth of, well, I have to own a home or I have to be married. And those things aren't true anymore. Lutheran Community Service will adopt to people who pass the home study. They can be single parents, uh, the LBGTQ community. And we were the first ones to actually adopt to a single dad who took on a a little baby. And about 11 months later, the mom had another baby and begged him to take her. So he's raising two little children, 11 and 12 now. And so adoption was originally what we did, but we have recently just opened up so we can do respite care, which is short-term care, because if a foster parent needs a break and even needs to go out of state, the foster child isn't always able to go with them. So we need foster parents that will care for the child for interim and also short and long-term care. So maybe your goal isn't to adopt, but the biggest thing, and I love talking to Mary Lou about this, the biggest thing is we always hope that the parent, the birth parent, will pull it together for that child because that's the best place for the child. So if a parent is foster parent is taking on a foster child, the risk they're taking on is that they may not get to keep the child. But I have seen so many foster parents, too, that are willing to kind of be part of the mom's life if she's willing to try to get things together so that they can kind of keep a relationship later if that's the case. But the biggest thing is that we want reunification. And then if not, the child doesn't have to bounce around. They go to one home. They stay there till they're either adopted or till mom can have them back. And so it's less stress on the kid because this is the important thing is that these children get cared for. They've been pulled out of their home. They've been put in a place they don't even know. And so they need stability. And that's what being a foster parent is offering a child. And a lot of there's that Sonny Kobe Cook commercial. Not everyone can be a foster parent, but I think more people could than think they can. So that is such a great overview. I really appreciate that, Lori. And also, I appreciate Mary Lou and Kayla that you have come here to share your personal story, which will just underscore what Lori has just shared with us. And so you were saying, Mary Lou, earlier on to me that you were one of the inaugural parents (laughs) into the system when Lutheran Community Services first really entered into the foster care system, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. 
So I guess I have to back up a little bit just to say that I'm a social worker and I'm a trained social worker. So I used to work a lot with pregnant and parent teenagers. So I firsthand in my work would see what was going on with foster care. And um, I think most people would agree that the foster care system in the United States is very, very broken. And it's been broken for a long time. And part of the reason when I decided I wanted to have children in my life, I still remember my mom saying, why don't you just get pregnant? Um, but that, that didn't fit with what I saw as the needs of all of these children and that we were beginning to understand brain development and the research there and that kids that get moved around a lot, they have some significant issues uh, related to education and mental health issues. So I decided what I wanted to do was to be able to help care for children that are already here. And so Lutheran was one of the few programs in the country at that time that did what is called foster care adoption. So they asked the foster parents to make a commitment to the children. And then, as you were saying, Lori, the goal is that the children return to their birth families as long as that's a good situation. So the foster parent is the one that says, I will adopt this child if they can't go back to their birth family And I will also keep them in touch with their birth family. But if they are able to go back, they go back to their parents and their birth family. And so to me, in terms of a broken system, it made more sense that as an adult, the adult takes the risk. And it's not the children who are forced to be in multiple situations. So I guess it was kind of a philosophical and a value place that I came from. And I I do think that this is a model that's extremely important to have people who are interested in a long-term situation do foster care and make that commitment for adoption. And I'm going to just do a guess here that this came about about 20 years or so ago. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, our personal story is I like to tell the story that I got a call on a Thursday. I was expecting to adopt one child or to foster one child. And I got a call on a Thursday. Could I take a little girl and her brother the next day on Friday? So Kayla and Dustin arrived and it was 24 years ago. And then they were with me in foster care because it was uncertain whether they'd go back or not for a couple of years. And then they were adopted two years later. So did that feel like a long time, that two years of waiting, even though you had already I would think mentally and emotionally adjusted yourself to the fact that, yes, these children in their best interest could go back to their birth family. But was it a tense two years? It's hard. It's very difficult. Um, You agree to interact with the birth family and there are positives to that. And then there's the heartbreak of, you know, are they going to be able to get their lives together? Because I found myself conflicted. I wanted them to because I wanted my kids to be able to be in a safe environment with their birth family. But then when they weren't able to do that, I would also say, oh, well, you know, then they stay with me. So it's, you live in a weird place for, but I think I was so busy those two years just trying to figure out being a parent to two little ones. Um, (laughs) And were you a single parent? I'm a single, I was a single parent. Okay. So here again is an important piece of the story as to who can be a foster parent. So as a single parent, a single mom, you brought in these overnight two children. You weren't pregnant with twins. (laughs) You were preparing for single births. All of a sudden, these two little ones appear on your doorstep. 
Kayla, do you remember arriving on that doorstep? Or, or maybe Mary Lou came to pick you up. I do remember. We were at Lutheran Community Services at the time, and there was this little playroom, and they had a little slide and one of those tiny little, you know, merry-go-round type toys, and Dustin and I were playing in there, and uh, they brought in my mom, and, you know, we met her, and she was so nice, and she brought us all these little toys, my favorite one being this dog with a wrinkly nose. That you still have. I still have, yes. And, you know, from there, we just went home with her. And I unpacked my bag and had my own room, which was really cool. What does it feel like for a child at that young age? You've been pulled out of one home where you've been for those early years of your life. Was this just a one-time thing or had there been several times that you were taken from your birth parents? Well, there had been several times. So before Dustin and I became a part of Lutheran Community Services, we were actually in the state system. And so we had several families through the state system. We were moved back and forth from birth parent to foster family, birth parent to foster family for quite some time. And then we finally got into Lutheran Community Services. And that was the point where everything started to stabilize because we were with my mom, you know, for the two years that we continued to be in foster care. So, And during that two-year period, did you ever go back to your birth family? We didn't go back, but we had weekly visits. Okay. So there still was a little bit of that back and forth. But after that two-year period, it sounds like that's when it really stabilized and you were adopted by Mary Lou. Yeah, my home life definitely stabilized. Um, Emotionally, it's a lot more difficult to get over because we had an open adoption. And so um, our birth mother still had rights to uh, see us and talk to us. And um, so she'd have to write my mom and we would figure out visits. And, you know, for many years, she didn't show up for visits. There were times we'd plan and I think there came a point where my mom finally stopped telling us that we were going to see her and we'd just go out. And then if she showed up, that was great. If she didn't, we went to Red Robin and, you know, we were discussing this not too long ago. I didn't realize that Red Robin was this thing for an emotional barrier. But I remember it as this really great thing that we'd do every once in a while growing up as kids. And we were so excited about it and we got to color and everything. And then it was mostly so that, you know, we'd have good memories from the really hard times because seeing her when she did show up was also really difficult. And then there was a good chunk of time when I became you know, in my teen years where she didn't show up at all. And even some of, you know, my middle school years that she didn't show up at all as well. So I think we kind of stopped trying to get a hold of her at some point. But all of that up and down and back and forth. And, you know, I commend you, Mary Lou, for really being so aware and in tune to set that up to finally not say there's this possibility to protect these children. Because, Kayla, emotionally, I don't think any of us can really understand what it's like for a child, this kind of a yo-yo experience. It is very much a yo-yo experience. It's hard to explain sometimes. Um, You feel lost a lot and uh, you think you know where you come from and and then you are changing that as well because you're now in a new family that has new backgrounds and you're meeting all new 
family members and, you know, learning to love somebody else and, you know, get used to the fact that you probably won't see your birth parents very often anymore. So I think I struggled with that for many, many years, well into my teenhood. It wasn't until my young, probably young 20s that I really started to get over the whole emotional part of being adopted and not understanding, you know, what my emotions were. And I was lucky enough to have counselors the majority of my life. So they really helped me identify the feelings that I was having, the abandonment issues that come with being adopted and being able to recognize that and be able to kind of breathe through that and know this is what I'm feeling and that's okay. And I can get past this. You know, I still have my mom and You know, to this day, my mom still proves every day that she's here for me. So I'm really lucky. (laughs) I wonder, Kayla, if you could just talk a little bit about those first couple years when you were in foster care and you called me Mary Lou and just what that was like because you were kind of divided between me as your mom and then your birth mom. Yeah, I did uh, feel strange calling a new person mom. And I do remember getting mad at my brother, because my brother's three years younger than me. I'd get mad at him for calling my mom, mom. I'd be like, she's not your mother, you know. She's Mary Lou, you know. And then I think I was partway through kindergarten. I was six and a half or so that I really started calling my mom, mom, because it felt more like she was my mom. And uh, there was a lot of other kids that had parents, too, and they called them mom and dad. And I wanted to feel the same as the rest of the kids in my class. So, Well, and do you remember you changed to mom right around the adoption? So, no, I didn't remember didn't it was remember. right around then, but yeah. I assumed because it was. I remember it was kindergarten or first mm-hmm. grade time. So, And there's some of that that just really makes sense. Adoption, maybe a child really doesn't understand that difference, but maybe there's that feeling of, okay, there is permanence coming here. And she's going to stick around? Does that feel like something that maybe went through your little child, six-year-old mind? You know, I don't remember if it went through my mind, but there was a point in time where it started to feel permanent. Like I was going to, you know, be there forever. And around the time of the adoption, I knew that we were going to live with her forever because my mom did explain that to me, that we would now not be going back. And I think it took a little bit of time to kind of realize that that was actually true Um, but I did feel like it was going to be permanent you know after I think a few years it took. (laughs) (laughs) I feel this is so important to have you share that for us to hear this because we hear those stories I guess they'll come out in the news of you know how foster children can be such problems but isn't it understandable why when there's all this tumult going on in life and the emotions of being bounced here bounced there in and out of different foster homes I'm amazed that you are this poised young woman that you are. But you said there was counseling available along the line. So were there times that it was challenging for you that you wanted to act out? Oh, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) My mom, uh, I put her through the ringer, so to speak. You know, Uh we had a lot of ups and downs. I mean, again, all the way through my early 20s, we had a lot of ups and downs. It's a... You know, luckily now we can laugh about it, but (laughs) not having that permanent place and that stability is 
I think, incredibly hard on children. I think it's one of the most important things that a child can have is stability. And I didn't have that for a long time. Well, from about, you know, born to four and a half to five, I didn't have a lot of stability. It wasn't until I actually lived with my mom now that I had any sort of stability. And so she always tells this story about how when I came to live with her, I wanted to be the parent and I was in charge. And that uh, we struggled with that for a very long time about how I didn't want to listen to her. And because I did rule the household at four years old in my mom's house, I made the rules. I went to bed when I wanted to go to bed. There was no true stability in my other homes. And so I think that was a struggle when we, especially when we first started. Okay, together. Thank, <laughs> thank you for that reality check <laughs> so that we understand that going then into a foster home that is ultimately adoption isn't then going to be this smooth ride. Definitely not a smooth ride. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard for both the parent, you know, my mom and the children. So, And I think one of the reasons that it is difficult is I think it's natural for a child who hasn't had stability to test. Are you going to give me away? Are you going to stay by me? And it, it's years. It's not they just try it once or twice. <laughs> so I think that it's all tied. It's tied together. And so just as a point of interest, because Dustin was also fostered and then adopted at the same time, but he was three years younger. Did it seem to be, and he was calling you, Mary Lou, mom, mom. right at the beginning. So has it been maybe what we'll call like a smoother ride for him, would you say? No, not not at all. No, okay. Um, I think it was just as difficult for him because he also didn't really have the opportunity to know our birth mom. So, you know, I knew more of my backstory. And for him, I think it was a lot harder because he didn't really know anything. And so he pushed those boundaries even harder mm. than I did. When he got older. Yeah. I think there wasn't the... It wasn't as difficult when he was young, but when you get into the teenage years where you're trying to figure out who you are, yes, um, yeah, he had some of those same struggles. And so that's part of being a teenager, too. We're testing a lot. Even when we are living in our birth family, which is theoretically this more stable situation, we're going to push boundaries. And, and it's just a matter of, you know, we're trying to really discover who it is that we are so we can appreciate, I hope. The message we're getting, we appreciate there's that added challenge that's going on. But to have a parent, a foster parent, then an adoptive parent who's so committed really is so critically important, isn't it, Kayla? I'd say it's probably one of the most important things. I have no idea where I'd be without my mom and all the help she has brought to me today. So. <laughs> As mom pats her head. <laughs> She'll always be your little girl, right, Mary Lou? That's right. Yeah. So what we want to do is, is encourage through this story others to really consider being that foster parent. Kayla, having been through this process, through this system, and you're a young woman, you probably, well, do you think of having children? Personally, no. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if um, – I haven't really decided yet, truth be told. I feel like I'm still young enough that I got many years to decide. I have decided that if I ever choose to have children, I will more than likely adopt. So. so in that way, too, perhaps this has had such a seriously big impact on you. 
Oh, it really has. It um, has been very difficult, but it has also been the best time of my life. So I think it's really important. Yes. And that's encouraging, too, to see how positive the experience has been so that that's something that you would consider for your future should you decide the children are to be a part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it can make a huge difference in a child's life to be able to have that foster family and that adoptive family that can always just be there for them and provide that stability that you really need as a child. So I I have decided, you know, that if I do decide to have children, you know, I want to be able to be that for somebody because anybody can have children. You know, not everybody can take on a child and really, truly love them. And I think it's really important to be able to do that regardless of that child being your birth child or not. And as Lori told us, to have thousands and thousands of children in this situation that sometimes people use the term throwaway kids. You know, they're abandoned, essentially. There's such a need. Well, and I think that, you know, I've heard a statistic that 50% of foster kids end up homeless. And if there were more foster parents to help those kids out, you know, it could really help that epidemic as well. So, Which would also in turn help the opioid epidemic. Yes, tying that back in. Yeah, and they age out of the foster care system, so that's, they don't have a stable adult, and that's, you're right, Caleb, about Mm -hmm. half then are homeless. They're more likely to be victims of crime. That's much higher than committing crimes. They do commit crimes more. They're more likely to get pregnant. So there's a whole series of bad things that happen to kids who age out. Exactly. And is that age 18? Uh, 18 is the... The set age, our state is pretty good, um, goes to 21, but that depends on the state. But when you come to that age, even thinking of 16, 17, it's probably very challenging to find homes willing to take children, youth at that age. I think that's true. Would you say that's true, Lori? Yeah, teens are a little more challenging to place because I think there's a stigma that they're bad. You know, people think foster kids are bad. They don't realize they've been neglected. And so when you think about it, though, it's a three-year challenge, a two-year challenge, and it's more of a mentoring. So if you go into it with that mindset, and I love your mindset, Mary Lou, where it sounds like maybe times you took it personal, but you realized it wasn't personal, you know, the outbreaks. And and looking at it as mentoring, because when these kids age out with no identifiable family, they go on and there's no one to turn to when good things happen or bad things happen. And I heard a story about a young woman who did go to college. She had a foster parent, went to college, and of course got pregnant and Googled everything. She says, Google's my mentor. She had no one to turn to, to share these things with. And I think we can do better. I think we can do better. And that's why, Mary Lou, with what you did 24 years ago, you know, that's that step of doing better. Kayla, you know, because even with the turmoils that you had, which is life, (laughs) you know, you've come through to this end where you want to take this on for yourself, potentially. At least you're open minded. You're open to having that be part of your life. I wanted to touch a bit, too, on the counseling because you mentioned you had therapy available. Does that happen as part of, in this case, Lutheran uh, community services? Or is this something then that Mary Lou, you sought out for Kayla? Well, maybe I'll start just the logistics of it. Yes. Um, Yes, I think Lutheran was very helpful in helping us identify 
a counselor because you really do want a counselor who knows something about foster care and adoption. And when children are in foster care, they get Medicaid. So that is what pays for the counseling. And then after the adoption, our state is another state that's very good in terms of having post-adoption financial help with counseling. So we also had it then. But you could probably talk about what that meant to you, the counseling. Well, I think the counseling was extremely important for me because I was able to, like I said earlier, identify what I was feeling. And, you know, I know all kids and teenagers and things go through different feelings and hormonal changes and everything. But I think when you have that added stress, at least in my opinion, to being adopted, you don't really understand everything that you're feeling. And having a counselor that could guide me through that was really important. Or my counselor, I saw her from, you know, on and off for the majority of my life. And she was really great at being able to help me work through and learning how to take those deep breaths and learning that what my different feelings meant and that it's okay that I'm adopted and that I'm a little bit different from, you know, the other kids that are in school with me or in programs with me. I think it was probably one of the most important things my mom did for me to be able to help me truly identify, you know, what I was going through. That's so, so great. I just appreciate both of you being so willing to share your story because when we think of all the children, the young people out in our communities who really, I'm sure, are yearning for this as well, even if they don't consciously know it, sharing this story so others will be open to taking that step is so critical. And so, Lori... How can people take that step? That's such a good question. (laughs) So Lutheran Community Services, again, we license for short-term respite as well as foster adopt. And the one thing about going through an agency, we do have a sliding scale if you're concerned about money. But going through an agency, they help you navigate the welfare system. And as Mary Lou said, it's broke. They have social workers that are overworked and underpaid. It's not their fault, but they're carrying these huge caseloads. And the social worker is for the child. So when you go through an agency like Lutheran, our social workers, your social workers, still there. They've been there for 20 years. They know how to navigate. They know how to support. And if the the parent has a day where they just want to call and be mad, the social worker can take it. They understand. And the social worker worker is for that parent. And that goes a long way because a lot of parents that are trying to become foster parents, when they try to navigate the system and get to court and all of that, they get so discouraged. And a lot of times they just quit. And so that's why we're in such a need for foster homes. So it's great to have that extra layer of support. So all you have to do is call 206-694-5713 or foster adopt at, and it's Lutheran Community Services Northwest. So it's lcsnw.org, fosteradoptlcsnw.org. And then they will have one of our family specialists call and talk to you. And what I love, too, about Lutheran is a lot of agencies have a family night where you go and you can ask questions. Lutheran always does it one-on-one because sometimes you have to ask ugly and hard questions, and they just want to make sure you feel safe. You get all your questions, answers, and you will never be pushed into it. People think that, too. They think, well, if I call, they're going to make me be. No, that's not the truth. If it's not a fit for you, they'll be the first one to tell you that. Perfect. And I think one other thing that Lutheran does is a support group for foster adopt parents and families. 
which was very helpful to me. It was helpful for me as well. Once a month, we'd all get together, and I would be able to, as a child, I would play with other kids who were in the same situation as I was. And that was really, you know, it created some lifelong friendships, and it created a space for me to be able to, you know, be open about everything as well, because everybody there was in the same situation as I was. One other thing I wanted to mention about Lutheran Community Services that they do And I don't know if we're just special or not, but I have a couple other brothers and, you know, only one of my brothers was adopted with me. But my second younger brother was adopted into another family through Lutheran Community Services and our social workers connected. And so I've grown up with my younger brother, not just Dustin, but with Kyle as well. And so I really got to know him as well, and we still have a tight connection today. And I think that's really important as well because they were able to, you know, oversee that. And I don't think that happens in the state. I don't think you get to know your whole family that way. I just admire each and every one of you, Mary Lou and Kayla, for being the women that you are, for going through this really important life experience, being willing to share it, and Lori, for doing the work to bringing us together and encouraging others to take this really critical step. Thank you, incredibly (laughs) thank you, uh, for being here and for sharing with us so honestly. Thank Thank you you for having us. (laughs) Thank you. And I can't imagine my life any other way. (laughs) 